Welcome back to another edition of the College Football Degenerates Podcast. I'm your co-host, Toby. And, you know, before I introduced your other co-host, Michael Ahern, I just want to say I'm very happy to be back. It's been, what now, Michael, three or four week absence, you know, whether it was technical issues or scheduling. Man, it's been crazy, but I'm glad to be back. We got a lot to talk about. Michael, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. But it's mainly because if you don't know by now, I go damn you, okay? I've made that known in every episode, and I'm going to continue to do that. And we have like, some good news, and we have some bad news. The good news, college game day is in town. Harrisonburg, Virginia for this week for JMU's game against App State. I will try my hardest to be there, and I expect to be there. Um, I want to make a sign, so, I mean, if you see the sign, I'll, pro- I'll post it on the social medias. Make sure you follow on the socials. Keep y'all updated on that and well-informed and just all that stuff. But the uh, the NCA they are not approving JMU's um, to allow them to be in the postseason. Um, terrible. That's really, really terrible. Um, but uh, they can still make a bowl game if there's not enough uh, six-win teams in. Uh, most projections show that there won't be, so they will be in there. But um, it's disappointing. JMU deserves a chance to play in the Sun Belt Conference, and frankly, their Group of Five team, bar none, it's them and then a gap, and only to be in a game. They deserve to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. If uh, how they do it, where they choose the highest group of five team. And so far, JMU has proved that they are the best ones. Now, if they go and lose a game or something, okay, then we can talk. But so far, JMU has proved that they are the best group of five team. And uh, the NCAA just spits in their face. Uh, the NCAA does not care about college athletes, simply put. But to harp on that for too long, let's talk about the games from last week. They had a lot of good ones. Uh, yeah. I have to start, however, with what was a big game. I mean, there was two really big top 10 matchups, but this was the one at 12 o'clock. Michigan versus Penn State. What did you think of this game? Because I've seen a lot of mixed thoughts. You know, I, I know one thing for certain. And that is my thoughts are not mixed on this. First of all, I'd like to say, and I think we can both agree on this, we just watched two top five defenses in the country put on a great defensive game. And I know to a lot of people that's boring, but me and Michael are avid lovers of, you know, college football and football itself. And when you have defensive performances like that, you have to shout them out. You know, moving on a little bit. I'm just going to name three names. And then tell everyone listening what they have in common. Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford, Drew Aller. You know what they all have in common, Michael? They are all hot garbage. First of all, Drew Aller has not had that good of a year 
this year coming into this game. He has not played well versus the easiest of opponents. And he can... Drew Aller, I, I can confidently say this. I could have played better than Drew Aller played versus Michigan. Best defense in the Big Ten. Say what you want about how good Michigan is. Drew Aller would not throw the ball more than five yards downfield. He couldn't even throw a screen pass. If it weren't for that rushing game, they would not have even gotten... I, I don't even think they would have gotten to 150 yards. I mean, you can maybe say it's from the slight lack of wide receiver talent. I mean, you have Keandre Lambert-Smith, but Drew Aller, the moment's too big for him right now. And again, I know it's his first year of the starter. I know there's room to grow. But he did it versus Ohio State. He did it versus Michigan now. I mean, not only can he not step up to the big moment, he can't do anything. And it's sad because if you look at how good this O-line's playing with the duo of the running backs and with how good this defense is, this defense gave them so many chances to win. And again, all credit to Michigan, you know, amid all the scandals, I'm worried about how they played in the game. And, you know, they played good. And I guess the only thing more frustrating and again, it's really close. But the only thing more frustrating than the way that Drew Aller played was what James Franklin chose to do with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You're going to choose to go for a fourth? It's like, what, fourth and seven, fourth and eight from your own 30-yard line when your defense is getting a stop almost every time Michigan has the ball? Which obviously, you know, they went for it. They missed it. Led to a Michigan touchdown. I, I think it was momentum. I don't think, you know, I wouldn't put too much of that on Penn State's defense, which was on the field the majority of the game. But you just look at it and you're like, what was James Franklin thinking? Like, yes, your offense might not have been able to move the ball. Yes, you feel like you might not get it back. But your defense has shown that you will. You have the timeouts. I mean, it was just a traditional Penn State game of the last decade. They choke in the big games. They can't do anything. Michael, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, yeah, I've been very disappointed in Drew Aller this year. Uh, I was bought into the hype. Off the offseason, Penn State fans were telling me, oh, man, Sean Clifford, yeah. I mean, he was a good quarterback, but he just didn't. He won the game he was supposed to, and he lost the games he was supposed to for the most part. Um. But Drew Waller, man, he is something different. He's an elite athlete. He's got an amazing arm, all this. And he's going to lead Penn State to a great season, and I bought into it. Uh, If you remember when we did our Heisman predictions, I had Drew Waller in Heisman predictions. Um, That's what he did. He fooled me. And I don't like fooled. I don't like... Um, for people to lie to me. And that's what he did. He lied to me. He pretends to be a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. Um, he, he's just horrible. Doo-doo Waller is what I'm going to call him from now on. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a person um, just in, unable to complete a pass with decent in his face. Um, like, Happened in the Ohio State game, it happened in the Michigan game. And in both games, I mean, those are two great defenses uh, this year and great pass rushes, so you give them that. But 
man. <laughs> but like some of these passes were so bad. Like uh, he'll overthrow a receiver by 10 yards and go way over his head. And then like the next throw, we won't even get to the receiver. I mean, he just had no uh, chemistry with his receivers. It seemed there was no, there was nothing. And frankly, when you look at how Michigan played, Big deal about JJ uh, JJ McCarthy going seven of eight for sixty yards, and how they had one pass attempt in the second half. It was after like the second quarter, and that was in the third quarter, I believe, and it was called a pass interference, so it didn't even really count. Um, so no real pass attempts midway through early on in the second quarter, and for you to be able to go and run the ball and do that and win is impressive. However, it's not like they had some massive offensive showing. It wasn't like they were destroying Penn State on the ground. Uh, when you look at like the total stats in that game, it, it was not like extremely lopsided. It was, um, yeah, Michigan had 287 yards and 227 rushing yards. Um in 33 minutes of time possession and all that. But points is not a lot of points. Usually in college football, uh, I think if you hold the other team to 24 points, you should win the game. Um, When with uh, Iowa and Brian Ferentz, that's why they determined that the average 25 points per game. If... You know, that 25, which was not a lot. Uh, and he didn't do it, obviously, and that's why he got fired. But uh, just scoring 25 points, and Penn State could have done that. I mean, you think if they go for two on their touchdowns, which there was no reason for them to go it on the first one, and they had to do it on the second one because they went for it. They went for two on the first touchdown, and then they don't punt it, and so Michigan doesn't score a touchdown, and Michigan probably goes three and out, or they pick up a first down on third down, and then six and out, or whatever, you know, which was what most of the game was, and Penn State, and nothing else would have changed. Um, this was not, people are putting it, the dominant win for Michigan that people are saying it is. Um, was it a good win? Yeah, because Penn State's a pretty good team, but they also fail to show up in big games. Now, I, I know when Michigan plays Ohio State, when they play Georgia, if they play them in the playoffs, if they play, say, Oregon or, um, you know, Florida State or Texas or um, uh, Washington or whoever they play in the playoffs, they're going to throw it more than eight times. However, you know, this was just not the dominant performance that it was. And, you know, Penn State is just not looking like they're not the team that they were advertised to be. They're the team that we expected them to be, really. Uh, it's the same old, same old with Penn State. Uh, I mean, I wanted them to be good this year. They're just not that good. And this is not as great of a win as it looked like earlier for Ohio State and now Michigan. I mean, Missouri is better than Penn State, okay? Um, oh, oh, 100%. I, I don't even think that's a question. And You know, is, I think Missouri is uh, better than uh, Joel, a lot of teams. Joel Klatt, uh he got uh, very upset by people insinuating that uh, beating Missouri is better than beating Penn State. 
Um, I know that's because he works for Fox, who has the Big Ten network and all that stuff, the Big Ten on it. And he, as as I've pointed out, uh, not on this podcast, really, but point out before, uh, he's a very big uh, anti-Georgia guy, a big anti-SEC guy in general, but he doesn't like Georgia that much. Uh, so obviously he tried to put, but no, Missouri would beat Penn State. They would beat Penn State. I mean, um, arguably, or, no, no, not even arguably. Missouri gave Georgia their hardest game of the entire year, which I predicted. Oh, of course. But wow. and, and that was that was a great game. And you know, I think this is a perfect way to segue into a team that I've been known to hate, but unlike Michigan, actually had a dominant performance, which they've done the last couple of weeks versus a very very good Ole Miss team, like. Do not count out how good Ole Miss is because of how bad Georgia blew them out. And it pains me to say this. And I told Michael I wasn't going to say it on the podcast. Because I don't <laughs> I want people I'm thinking on the side of Georgia. And I'm not. I'm not. But I'm, I'm someone that has to speak the truth. And as much as it pains me to say this, I do not see a way that Georgia does not three-peat this year. And it pains me to say it because... I I I I would choose literally any other team to have the first three P in college football history. Literally any team. I don't even care. Michigan can literally steal the signs of every single game and not get caught and take the three P. I don't care. But of course it's gotta be Georgia. And honestly, you can't deny the facts. Georgia's defense, great yet again. Their wide receiver play from guys like Lad McConkey, crazy. Their running back play. Did you route that Lad McConkey ran? Oh my gosh, that go route, that was crazy. Back, Carson Beck didn't see him in time, so what? But he throws it, he gets it, and then he makes like he makes the guy who he already made miss once. He makes him do it again. I mean, oh man, Lad I know. Crazy. No, it's nice, especially in the end. Not anywhere close to. Talking about NFL, but I think you'll like this comparison. I think his NFL comparison, Hunter Renfro, bro. I know Hunter Renfro is not in the greatest situation right now, but bro, just some white dudes that are insane at route running, bro. It's crazy. I, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's up there. Lad's also, he, I mean, he's really fast too. I mean, oh, I know, I know, he's got that, he's got that speed, and you know, you talk about their wide receivers. You talk about their running backs. You talk about their defense. You talk about Kirby Smart being the second best coach in college football, you know, which is a very high honor. You know, he's not going to beat Nick Saban any day of the week. But all of that would be for naught unless they had very elite quarterback play, which I did not believe I'd be saying about Carson Beck. But my, oh my. He is playing insane. Carson Beck is making throws. I mean, if you look at his just progression from, like, the Auburn game where he still finished that game well, you just look at his progression. It's insane. You're one guy probably coming back to start next year, if I'd assume, just because of how stacked this quarterback class is. I mean, it just does not look like anything faces this guy. Going back to that Auburn game, so many opportunities to blow the game. And he just stayed poised. And you got to give Georgia credit, man. And don't worry, Michael. I know everyone's ready for you to glaze Kirby Smart and that Georgia team for the next five minutes. But I might have to do a little bit of that myself just because it's undeniable. It's, you know, it, it's, 
it's kind of insane, man. And I really only think that Michigan is the only team that could potentially beat Georgia just the way they're constructed. I personally don't think Alabama has a chance, but just the way they're constructed, because you look at teams like Ohio State, Washington, Florida State, I think Florida State and Ohio State are fake when it comes to true title contenders. And Washington, ah, Georgia's just too physical for them, as good as their offense is. But um, as much as I don't want to hear it, what what are your thoughts on how the Georgia game went? I think the first thing mention fact that I mean it's not fair. Georgia is playing football games with someone who's not human. Okay, and this guy that is from outer space. He is an alien. Okay, he was made in a laboratory. I don't know what it is. Brock Bowers is not human. There are not many people like Brock Bowers. Uh, six days before the Ole Miss game, he had throat surgery. Now, I believed that he'd be coming back later in the year. I thought he'd be playing in the Georgia Tech or the um, most likely the SEC championship game. I'm optimistic because Tua, who was one of the first people to have it, uh, he came back 28 days later. But there were talks about, oh, this might be Brock's last game as a Georgia Bulldog. He's never going to play for Georgia again. We're not going to see him play another snap of college football. And there's a lot of people who believe that, that he was probably just going to shut it down and prepare for the NFL. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Um... And now I'm reading some of the reports and hearing some stuff and watching videos and all this stuff. And apparently, there were called Brock Bowers and was like, um, hey, uh, we recommend you shutting down your season and preparing for the NFL and all this. You don't want to get hurt and lose out on money and all this stuff. Bowers and hung up the phone and he said, who was telling me this? going to represent me in the NFL. Uh, there, there aren't many people like that who love college football as much as Brock Bowers, who will go out there 26 days later and percent of the snaps for Georgia. It's not like he got in there like on the first play because it was the uh, last Georgia home game and a senior day and all that stuff and had like a wave and all that stuff and he got like a uh, a pity catch or something like that, and he didn't play again. No, I mean, he played 90% of the snaps. He ended up finishing. He had uh, three receptions for 34 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he 90% of the snaps. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, they got to take this dude to some lab and start testing him. I mean, that's ridiculous. Goes out there, 27 I can't you can't put it into words how crazy it is that this dude is back. I mean, what in the world? Like, I love I love Brock Bauer so much. He's he's the best player in college football in my opinion. Uh, unreal. I mean, most players would just they'd probably shut it down. Brock Bauer said no. No, anyone who's suggesting that I don't want him around, and that's that was impressive. Uh, I guess, I mean, Georgia blew out Ole Miss. Um, 
And for in that game, went so Ole Miss, they end up scoring that touchdown, whatever, you know, I know that happens every game. And Georgia responds, boom. Next drive. Um, so, uh, ends up turning it over on downs. Georgia scores, boom. Back ball. They score, then join. And it really looked like from after this like game, after really the first two scores and how fast Georgia was able to score, it was who's going to get the first stop. It was like a you know, like you're playing Madden where you're just going crazy. Who's gonna make the first mistake? Who's gonna turn the ball over? Who's gonna have to punt it first or whatever? Well, if you know, if the other, if one team gets two stops in a row, the game's over at that point in time. It was that level of shootout, and uh, yeah, and I was sitting there watching, like, well, Ole Miss's defense isn't very good. Uh, Georgia's defense is very good. We're gonna get the first stop, so we're gonna win this game. Um, what I didn't project is that Ole Miss's offense would just stop scoring altogether. Um, after scoring on their first and third drive, they didn't get a field goal till eight minutes left in the game. As a, I mean, man, it's crazy. Like even like the last like month or to a degree was there, but the year before that in twenty uh, twenty one, you know, previous Georgia years. I, I, if we got into a shootout, I was like, well. Uh, I kind of feared shootouts. I do not fear shootouts anymore. Uh, Carson real. He's playing at a Heisman level. Uh, unlike the other quarterback for the really good team, J.J. McCarthy, who people were saying, no, 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 I didn't believe it. I said he's not a Heisman contender earlier, and he proved me right. You know, he's not a Heisman contender. Carson Beck, I mean, unreal, unfazed. Uh, he, you wouldn't know if he's being stressed or if he, you know, is upset. I mean, he keeps a straight face the entire time. Uh, Lad McConkey, as we're talking about, ridiculous. Rah Rah Thomas, but also, I mean, Kendall Milton, man. I'm looking forward to Kendall Milton breaking out his entire Georgia career and one year. And that was, I mean, that was easily his best game. And that was the first game really um, in his Georgia career where he looked like. Uh, a runner who is, when is he, like, uh, he is 6'1", 220. I mean, first time where he really looked like, I mean, he was running people over. Yeah, I mean, man, uh, the Georgia team is peaking at the right time. And that was the thing, too, all the people that were writing off, trying to write off the SEC, saying, oh, the SEC's down here, down here, down here. And now, Georgia, look at Alabama, peaking at the right times. Uh, and I'd rather peak now than be like Florida State, who peaked in their first game. So, I don't know. That's how I'm feeling about that game. Enough. Let's move on. To- um, I was going to say, just moving on, talking about a team that's peaking not at the right time, but just peaking. We talked about him a little bit. We really don't need to harp on this game for long just because, sadly, it's kind of meaningless. But Missouri, I mean, Michael, we disrespected them before this year started. And Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. This team is insane. I mean, if you look at it, they might have the best two losses in college football this year. They seriously might. Uh, okay, maybe not the LSU loss, but... 
that close game versus Georgia, I mean, this team, ah, it's insane. And I believe, I believe Brady Cook has one more year of eligibility. I think I saw that correctly. I um, but I mean, you look at a team like this with this coach who's done an outstanding job. They bring back Brady Cook and Luther Burden next year, and, and a lot of this core. I mean, Cody Cody Schrader too. This team's just fun, man. It's one of those one of those feel good Cinderellas. Just the fact that they're, you know, this highly ranked, or the fact that they're even ranked at all. If you would have told Missouri fans they would have finished twenty fifth in the country this year, they would be ecstatic. And just to talk about the fact of where they are now, it's unbelievable. Like I said, we don't need to harp on it long, but Michael, what are your just quick thoughts on that game and just Missouri as a whole this year? Just a great feel-good story. Man, there's a lot of people that who who are how do I, college football ignorant snitch on themselves uh, by seeing how little they know. They just don't watch the games. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that want to write Missouri off as a show, just fake team that just got lucky. And if you, no, Missouri is a very good team. They played a, a Tennessee team that is pretty good. I mean, Tennessee was 13th in the nation, 36-7. Tennessee was in this game. They were favored despite it being at Missouri. Get betting odds had uh, Tennessee as the favorite. Now I took Missouri money line. I didn't. It didn't make sense to me. I thought these two teams were very similar. Home field advantage. It's definitely uh, Missouri. Excuse me. Tennessee is not a four and a half point favorite. A four and a half points better than uh, Missouri on a neutral field. I thought Missouri is better than neutral field, and it looks like they were. They were. I mean, Joe Milton. He had an okay game. Twenty-two of thirty-four. Two hundred six. 200, excuse me, 267 passing yards, a touchdown, and interception. It was not bad, but I mean, the fact is, like, this is the um, the best rushing team in the SEC. Tennessee was, and they were held to 83 rushing yards. Missouri, 55. Cody Schrader, man, um, I believe he transferred from Truman State. I mean, unreal. He's ridiculous. Um, really good game against Georgia. Um, and he had a really good game this week, too. At 35 carries, 205 yards, a touchdown, five receptions, 116 yards. I mean, ridiculous. Birdman, I mean, four receptions, 26 yards, and a touchdown. Which for him is a pedestrian game. Around a lot because Cody Schrader was making big plays. Um, Missouri team is really good. And. Uh, again, no Joe Clatt, Missouri would be state. They're the better team. Luther Burden's a better receiver than maybe any in history. And uh, Cody Schrader's better than Katron Allen and uh, Nick Singleton. And you don't need me to tell you that Brady Cook is better than Drew than Duke. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I think the most shocking thing out of that, not just how good Cody Schrader's been, but how disappointing Singleton and Allen have been this year. Like, the hype behind them, especially Singleton, was crazy. Just, oh, Penn State's been disappointing this year. Um, Moving on to the next game we're looking at from this uh, past week. I, I kind of have a hot take, and that's why I'll talk about what happened in this game first. Florida State versus Miami. 
there's not too much I have to say about the game. Florida State won late, you know, versus, you know, a Miami team that, what a weird year for Miami. I mean, great. Then they blow it versus Georgia Tech, and then morale is just lowered. But, Michael, just just quick thoughts, and I really want your opinion on this, but I think that Florida State is the fakest undefeated team in the country. I think they have had an objective. Broke up there. It's kind of crazy, you know, when you think uh, about how we're gonna have to do that the Florida State segment over again. You kind of it kind of broke up, and they kind of I kind of hear you. Oh, it broke up. Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, I'll just restart the Florida State segment. Um, but yeah, Michael, I don't um I don't know how you feel about it, but I think Florida State is the fakest undefeated team left in college football. And I'm, I'm even talking about, I'm talking about all of them, and there's not a lot left, but I, it's just, I think they've had objectively a weak schedule, and I do not think they are anywhere close to being championship contenders. They might make the playoff just because of how bad the ACC is this year when it comes to just who they're end up playing in the championship, but... Give me your thoughts, but I, I I think Florida State is so fake. Uh, yeah, it's just really weird for Florida State. I mean, this is what I was talking about earlier. I mean, they just peaked too early. They peaked uh, against LSU and the uh, and we. I mean, and they needed to win that game, obviously. But I mean, it just feels like every week it's just been slow and stagnant. They're not this dynamic offense that they were in week one. Um, Gordon Travis is not the Heisman contender that Florida State fans wanted him to be and make it, still make it seem like he is. He's just not. I mean, it was 19-31, 165 yards and a touchdown. It was not bad. He had a good game, but he's just not in these big-time throws, and he just – in my opinion, he just doesn't look like a Heisman. Uh, Trey Benson, I mean, 80 yards, two touchdowns, but I mean, I don't know, 27 points is not a lot. I feel like they should put out this Miami team more. Uh, and I mean, it doesn't help that Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke, man, what happened to him? Now, he really does. And really up and down. I mean, their freshman year, good. Then uh, the year before that, bad. We had some good. And then this year, it's been bad. I mean, 207, 29 yards, and an interception. Um, he ended up getting benched for Emory Williamson. And then it seemed like Tyler Van Dyke was going to be starting anyways. I mean, he was a late addition. He was hurt for most of the week. And um, he's played hurt most of the year. I don't know. But, yeah, he's just not that good. Miami, I mean, Miami's not a good team. I feel like this is rivalry or not. This is a game that... Florida State should take care of business, and I mean, it felt like this was, I, I never once watching this game felt like Florida State was the dominant Um, Yeah, they're 10-0, uh, they're 4 in the college football playoffs. As a Georgia fan, I really hope Florida State in the playoffs. It seems like Florida State fans want to play up. 
which is really, really odd because you're going to get blown out, buddy. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, like if they were playing like a Florida, if they played Florida, Florida schedule, you said uh, they'd be a two-loss team. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd have to agree. Um, speaking of two, we got two games left to look at from this past week. Um, one a lot more important than the other, so let's talk about that one. Let's talk about Washington versus Utah. Um, Washington just gets it done again, man. You know, it took it took some late scores by Washington to really close this game out. And, you know, for not having Cam Rising and not having their tight end, Utah has been really good this year. They, I mean, they've had three losses. They've had three good losses, but... Man, this this Washington team just keeps getting it done. And if I was the committee right now, I'd have Washington over Florida State. That's just me personally, but I think they've had the better wins. They've been they've had some ebbs and flows, but I think they've been more impressive and in a much tougher conference this year. But again, the committee's been weird. I mean, you look at two weeks ago them putting Ohio State at one for no reason whatsoever. In the same week that Georgia had a better win, was just crazy to me. But um, again, not to harp on this too long, but Michael Penix is that dude. Washington gets it done again. Michael, what are your thoughts on? This? It was a good game. It was uh, a really good game. Uh, I don't really have anything more. I mean, Washington and Utah played good. I mean, Utah showed up where I expected to them. To. I mean, their offensive coordinator, I forgot what his name, I don't know what his name is off the top of my head. Uh, I remember, however, that Notre Dame really wanted him, and he ended up turning him down. And uh, they could have really used him this year. Uh, yeah, he's done well. Bryson Barnes, the quarterback, 17-30, 220, uh, 267 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, though. Uh, overall, though, if you watched again, he was, he was quite good. Uh, Michael Penix, as always, though, showed out big time. Uh, 24-42, 332 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Johnson had 104 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. And Roma Dunza, man. Uh, uh, every time that I want to say, okay, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the bullet in the cough winner. Because, I mean, you, I, you see all this talk about him being the Heisman, all this and that. I, I, was like, I don't know. That seems a lot. I don't know if he's the blitz. Every time I'm like, okay, maybe he's the blitz. Roma Dunza goes out and does something crazy. Him and Malik Neighbors go crazy. And this week, Roma Dunza, I mean, three receptions, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he was ridiculous in this game. Um, that that one, the interception that. Um, Oh, that he dropped at the Washington goal line. Washington got, yeah, and he dropped it at the goal line. They're all celebrating. And the only people that realized it was the announcer and then the one dude for Utah. And then the next play, Washington gets a, forces a safety. So, I don't know. It was a really crazy game. It was really fun, though. Uh, and that's really what I got out of it. I mean, it was a fun game. Washington is a good team. Going to win the national championship, though. Yeah, that's um, that's a fair take. I think I think the only true title contenders here are Michigan and Georgia. I know there's only two, and there seems actually no. I actually think Oregon is also a true title contender. I would love to see them slip into the playoff. But um, the last game we're gonna look at before we go into overreaction or um, just about right is possibly the weirdest turn of events 
at least that I've seen in, in a good bit. Oklahoma State, last week, goes out and beat a very good Oklahoma. I mean, they looked insane. And then you go to, might I add, a respectable UCF team, and you lose 45-3. to <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I just, I, I could not believe it. I mean, this is also just such an Oklahoma State thing to do as of recent. I mean, you play amazing. You're on a five-game winning streak. It's crazy, man. You know, they started off the season with some awful losses to South Alabama and then Iowa State. And then you win five in a row. You beat teams like Kansas and Oklahoma, like we put out. You lose to UCF by 42 points. Michael, what are your quick thoughts? Um... Is it surprising in the how lopsided the score was? Of course. Is it surprising that they lost? No. Uh, Gus Malzahn really has a, a history of like get sets and stuff like that, especially at his time in UCF. It seems like every year he gets one. And he hadn't gotten one yet. And, I mean, this was the perfect spot for them. I mean, it was Oklahoma State coming off of their Super Bowl. I mean, that was the biggest game of the season for them. I mean, the last bedlam, and I spoke by this on why I don't think it should be the last bedlam, but I mean, for them, huge letdown spot. It's goes to UCF and, and go in Orlando, Florida, and it's space night. Uh, they had the space themed uniforms on. And you see all the turnovers that Alan Bowman had. He had three interceptions. Ollie Gordon had 12 carries, 25 yards. I expected him to have one, a bad one, but man, it didn't come at a good time. It was a bad one. It was a bad one. And I still think he'll win the Doak Walker Award. I think he should definitely be in that conference. He's overall for this year, he's been the best running back, in my opinion. Um, but yeah. Uh, this was a, a very easy letdown spot for use for Oklahoma State, but I did not expect the scoreboard to be that bad. I mean, that was atrocious, and it was like it really was like with the turnover. It was kind of a uh, when it rains it pours situation. Um, like oh, like every time it just the game it just kept on building on building and. Four turnovers. They also lost a fumble. I mean, so it just kept everything kept on building and building and building. And, and this was a bad. This was really bad for uh, Oklahoma State. Obviously, they had um, eyes set on the Big Twelve championship game. And I don't know. Um, when you look at it right now, are currently the favorite. I mean, they have to win out. Uh, if they drop a game, and I mean, I don't think, I don't know if they will or not like that, but, um, I mean, they play Houston and they play BYU, which those are two not great teams, but, um, you winning it all but locked up to now, it's like, and out, and so, I don't know, that's my thoughts, I'm not surprised that they lost, I'm more surprised by the score. Yeah, I would, um. 
couldn't have said it better myself. I think um I think it's time to move on to uh the, the overreaction or just about right segment. Michael, uh you have the you have the questions ready? Um yes. Uh have for this week, um uh, only six. Um my first one will start with or uh yeah. Uh UGA will win the national championship. Touched on it a little bit. Is this an overreaction or not? Again, touched on a little bit. Don't really want to repeat myself as much as I hate talking about them. Feel like I touched about them. Talked about them too much already, but just about right. I think UGA will, from the looks of it, handily win their third straight national championship. Uh, and you know, I was not expecting. All right, to... all right. Ask the next question. Was... Okay, okay, okay. Uh. James Franklin is not the guy for Penn State. It's funny because I was actually talking with one of my friends about this. It's just crazy that, and you know, I don't think Penn State should go out and get another coach. What James Franklin's done for this program has been crazy. I mean, they win all the games they should. They don't really win the games they, you know, probably should lose. And it's just crazy because... You hire a guy, he's almost guaranteed two losses every year. He cannot beat Ohio State or Michigan. He's beat one in like the last six years off a crazy blocked field goal. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. Can you rephrase what uh, what the question was about him, though? God for Penn State. He's not the guy that will take him further. Winning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's... Contender. Yeah, and, no, I was just going to say, I, um, I think that's just about right. I um, As sad as it is to say it, because I'm a James Franklin guy, I think he's a really good dude, really great coach. He just can't get it done, man. And sadly enough, the change of scenery might not be James Franklin, but they just they cannot get it done offensively ever, and it's just kind of crazy. But y'all have to say just about right at this point. agree with that to a, uh, you know, to a little bit. Um, I mean, and I, I really like I, I really like James Franklin. Uh, I mean, he won eight games of Vanderbilt. That's extremely impressive. And he was also in the '90s. He was a wide receiver coach for JMU. And I mean, if you coach at JMU, I'm gonna love you forever. Uh, <laughs> unless you do something crazy, then okay. But uh, man, I don't know. Maybe maybe just Happy Valley isn't for him. Maybe maybe somewhere else. Um, who knows? Maybe. It's- uh, the opening step we'll talk about later, maybe. Who knows? Um, next one, Jaden Daniels will win the Heisman. A lot of talk on account of LSU's record. Jaden Daniels putting up the talent, the numbers. Heisman. This is a tough one. Um, really glad you asked this question. The Heisman is a very subjective award, and it's also very subjective on who people think will win it. As big of a fan as Michael Penix as I am, and as much as I acknowledge Bo Nix, I think I think that's just about right. If you look at the best player in the country this year, it is by far and away been Jaden Daniels. I mean, just look at his last game stats alone. Over 250 rush yards and over 350 passing yards. Never been done before. Versus an SEC defense. What more needs to be said? Absolutely. I think I think just about right. And if he stays at even 70% of the pace he's been on, I think he deserves to win it. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. He's been playing 
are really good. And I mean, people talk about, well, not the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. Uh, last year, in the playoffs. I mean, uh, moving on. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, Jalen Milrow can be a championship-level quarterback. Overreaction or just about right? You know, I wouldn't have said this earlier in the year, even if they would have beat Texas crazy enough just because of the way he looked. He looked so one-dimensional. I think absolutely just about right. I think he could lead this Alabama team to a championship. I don't think this is that year. I think next year probably will be more in line with that Um, because I don't think this team is built to beat Georgia this year. But um, Jalen Moore, the player, definitely can. He's an absolute beast with his legs. He's one of the best deep ball throwers in the SEC. And the the Jalen Milrow story arc has been kind of crazy. So um, I'd have to say just about right. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing crazy. Um, moving on, we got two more. Next one, Michigan was not enough. Overreaction and justice. The, the Michigan punishment? Yeah, the, them cheating. Harbaugh getting three. I, I would uh, say this. I would say, I would say just about right that the punishment is not enough. However, considering they don't have, I mean, I guess they do have most of the facts, but considering they can't complete the full investigation and it's in the middle of the season, I find it so hard to ban them from playoff contention in the middle of the year. So as much as I don't think they've been punished enough, I could see them facing a playoff ban next year. And, I could also see this in the resulting of a dismissal of Jim Harbaugh, possibly as head coach. Now, I don't know all the facts, but just from what I've seen, um, I would say it's not as much of a punishment. And I also don't know if it was the right punishment because you don't even know if Jim Harbaugh was fully involved. I mean, you look at the facts, you think, how could he not be? But kind of crazy, man. I I personally don't believe Jim Harbaugh will be the head coach after this year. I think he'll be heading to the NFL. I think he'll probably take the Raiders job. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's really weird. Um, and it's, it's funny we're saying this because Michigan fans, oh, I mean, you got, you got that, the uh, assistant coach. And I mean, I mean, he's out there, he's crying and all this stuff. And I mean, I'm happy for him that he gets to be a head coach and he'll probably be the head coach next year too. Uh, but like Jim Hart, Jim Harbaugh, he's still he's not dead. They're acting like he died or something. No, he got he got punished for cheating. And then we got Jim Harbaugh saying, and a bunch of Michigan fans are like pretending like, oh, oh, Michigan is now America's team because it came over and first said, you cheated, you cheated, you not America's team, you cheated. Just like like the Astros are not America's team. Everyone hates the Houston Astros. Nobody really likes a waiter. Okay. Barry Bonds, who cheated using steroids. I mean, that was a little bit different than what, you know, obviously. But at least Barry Bonds was really good. He was winning, you know, MVPs, and he was crushing the ball out of the park and all this stuff. I mean, Michigan was cheating to lose to Georgia in the um, in the Peach Bowl or lose to uh, uh, TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know. It, it really it really upset me. It's like, what? You're not no America's team. You cheated. That's what happened. Yeah, uh, kind of crazy. Uh, talk about it. I don't know. I, I just get off that one. Just, uh, uh, last, the Texas A&M head coaching job will be the biggest move of the decade. 
overreaction. Are you talking about who fills the spot or the way they handled it or just all of it as a whole? You can make it all as a whole. I kind of was thinking about mainly who will fill it, but, I mean, you could also bring in how they Biggest move of the decade, I think it remains to be seen off of who they do it, but... Man, you want to talk about biggest move of the decade. You bring a guy like Dan Mullins back into the coaching scene, taking over the Texas A&M job, I would definitely have to say just about right. I mean, that would break college football. That would be crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I think it has the potential to be for sure. What do you think? If they're going after Dan Mullins, I think Dan Mullins probably takes the Mississippi State job if he goes anywhere. But I mean, as George, I mean, George gets to play at Texas A&M next year. Not it would really just make my day if I get to see Ed Mullins coaching again one last time. I mean, we can get a write down W on. I mean, crazy to think about. Um, I mean, yeah, Dan Mullins. Well. But now a guy that has been brought up that interests me, Dan Lanning. Morgan. Now, I don't think Dan, he's leaving, though. That's why I didn't bring it up. I, I don't think there's any way he leaves. Yeah. I, all right, so you're on the side that he stays at Oregon and Texas A&M. I personally am, yeah. I mean, yeah, possible. I mean, both both schools have a lot of money. I mean, where it's either West Texas oil money or uh, night money, pretty much. Um, but moving on to top twenty fives to finish this episode, Toby, do you want to start or do you start? You know, I'll give you the floor. Give me the give me the top twenty five. I'm intrigued. Let's be honest. We all know who one is, and you know what? Let me talk to the college football committee for a second. I think we all know who one should be. And as much as Michael glazes Georgia, I have to give them their props. So let's let's hope they do it right. By the time this episode comes out, we'll already know. But um, uh, all right, Michael, give us give well, us the top twenty five. College football playoffs. Well. A little bit more accurate, maybe not as important because they don't, don't let me choose playoff stuff. Shame, but whatever. moving on, all right. Number 25, I have Kansas State staying put. I just think they're a really good team. At uh, 24, staying put, I have Liberty 10 and 0. I played anyone, whatever. At 23, down one spot, I have Tulane. This is the third week in a row against a not so great group of five teams that they've struggled. Um, um, they have great, uh, more good win against Memphis, and when you look at them, they're a really talented team, and they played uh, Ole Miss really well, especially with the fact that they didn't have their starting quarterback. Oh. Moving on, at 29 spots, I have Oklahoma State. I still think Oklahoma State's a good team. It's just F by 42 points. Uh, they're still in the top 25. They're still a top 25 team, so I mean, don't get it twisted. Uh, at 21, they were unranked. Back in there, I have North Carolina. If you didn't watch that North Carolina Duke game, uh, uh, it was ridiculous. That was one of the best games of the year. Um, we didn't talk for time reasons and all that stuff, but I mean, really good. That was a great win for North Carolina. Drake May is ridiculous, uh, but yeah, I know it was a Duke team that didn't have their starting quarterback, but I mean, North Carolina looked good uh, offensively, and they're still a top twenty-five team. Uh, at tw- down three spots, I have Tennessee. I was never as high as uh, some people in Tennessee. I just didn't believe it. And 
Yeah. Also, boom. Uh, at 19, uh, up four spots, I have Arizona. Their performance against Colorado was not one worthy of being up four spots. However, it's just how the, uh, the top 25 fell. You know, uh, some weeks, some teams will get really good wins and move up maybe one spot. Okay, when, uh, well, not great win, actually. They didn't look amazing against Colorado, but they move up four spots because this is how everything falls. At 18, I have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. At 17, three spots, I have the Utah Utes. At 16, up three spots, I have the LSU Tigers. At 15, Okay. You might think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. If you watch them play, that's true. I have the JMU Dukes. Uh, they have the number one rush defense in the nation. Better than Georgia, better than Michigan, better than Ohio State, better than Penn State, better than all of them. They have the number one rush defense in the nation. Jordan McLeod had almost 400 yards uh, passing. Uh, Reggie Brown had 200 yards receiving. I mean, Reggie Brown and Elijah Surratt will probably finish both as a thousand yard receivers. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, at 14, I have Oklahoma up two spots. Had a dominant win against West Virginia this week. They looked really good. At 13, down spots, I have Penn State. They did not look doo doo Adler as he will be forever until he starts playing good. Uh, yeah. At 12, I have Ole Miss down three spots as well. Um, Ole Miss is also better than Penn State. Uh, again, don't let the blowout to Georgia fool you. If Penn State and Ohio State would play, I mean, not Ohio, Penn State and Ole Miss would play. I'd pick Ole Miss to um, 11 up one spot. I have the Oregon State Beavers after their massive blowout win against Stanford. At 10, I have the Louisville Cardinals up one spot. They didn't look great against Virginia. Uh, uh, but they still move up a spot because of how everything else goes. Uh, at nine, up six spots, I have the Missouri Tigers. There's a lot of talk about like, well, why does the um, um, the AP have? Why does the college football playoff poll have Missouri better over Louisville? It's just a way to boost Georgia's um, top twenty-five. It was R.J. Young with again with Fox uh, who was saying this. And it's like, no, did you watch? You haven't been watching Missouri again. Another football ignorant person snitching on themselves. Uh, Missouri is very, very good. Uh, and I thought they were going to start losing some games after they lost to Georgia. Teams do that. No, Missouri looked even better. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, they are a very good team. At eight, I have Alabama staying put after their good. they had a good win against Kentucky. At seven, I have Texas staying put. They don't look great against TCU, but whatever. Um, at six, Oregon, man, they're really, really good. At five, Florida State down one spot. At four, Washington up one spot. Florida State didn't look that good. Washington looked pretty good in a close one. Florida State looked bad in a close one. So whatever. At three, I have Ohio State, two, Michigan, and one, the Bulldogs. All right. Um, moving on to my top 25. Might seem crazy for a lot of people, but... I have Oklahoma State dropping to 25. A third loss, a bad loss. UCF is a decent team, but that was crazy. 24, I have Notre Dame. 23, Tennessee. 22, Liberty. The fact that they might get a New Year's Six Bowl appearance is crazy. 21, Kansas State. Number 20, North Carolina. 
like I said, or like Michael said, crazy game versus Duke. Drake May, can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. 19 to Lane. I would have loved to see... Um, I would have loved to see how they would have played versus Ole Miss with Michael Pratt starting. That would have been fun to see. At 18, I have Arizona. The turnaround there has been crazy. 17, JMU, baby. Yes, sir. Uh, 16, I got Utah. 15, LSU. 14, Oklahoma. 13, Ole Miss. Disappointing game from them versus Georgia. 12, Penn State. 11, Oregon State. DJ's looked really good this year. Been happy to see him get back on track. Number 10, I got Louisville. Number 9, Missouri. Michael, we, we stayed the same with that. Missouri's been great this year. 8, I got Texas. This is kind of hard, but I have Oregon 7, Bama 6. Kind of interchangeable in my opinion, but Bama's just playing good, man. Florida State 5, Washington 4. Ohio State 3, Michigan 2, and UGA to round out the top 25. Michael, you got any um you got any closing thoughts? Mm. No, I mean just uh I thank you all for listening. Again, it really means a lot to us. I know the episodes have been very sporadic and uh in these past few weeks, but again, we've been real busy and did technical issues and all kinds of different things but we are here uh i want to thank you for uh listening again yeah and make sure you share with friends and family it's a lot if you're right make sure you're following the socials i'll keep you all posted about more podcasts about our top 25s and other graphics and as well as again this week college game day here in harrisonburg virginia uh this is all for me toby anything else yeah, um, that's it. Really good to be back. Like Michael said, we apologize. Life's just crazy. Glad we've still been able to put out some content for you. We should be able to round out the year with um an episode every week back to normal. And um, yeah, again, so this is our first year of doing this. We got um many many years to come, many improvements to be made, and we're just um we're glad to be here. But um, yeah, that should be all from us for this episode.